0: Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. My name is Nicholas Meyer, director of Star Trek Two and Six, and you are listening to Standard Orbit on Trek FM. <laughs> Risk is our business.
1: It's like nothing we've dealt with before. My golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics.
0: Now in standard orbit, sir. Welcome everyone to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I'm your host, Zach Moore, and I'm joined by from Warp 5 and Melodic Tricks, Mr. Brandon Shamantello. What's up, Brandon? Check the circuits! <laughs> so that's the cage, not where no one has gone before, Brandon. I don't know. I'm just doing things to try and be funny. <laughs> No need to shout instant Spock. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yes, uh, as you might have guessed, or not guessed, due to Brandon's poor clues, uh, we're doing another commentary and adding another one to the to the series that Brandon and I do. And we're doing Where No Man Has Gone Before. And you ask, why are you doing this one? Because they, they love us and they love our commentaries. And love, it's one of those earth emotions. <laughs> there it is. See, now, now we're giving proper clues after we've already said what we're doing. Well done. But this is, believe it or not... Guys, as you might have heard us reference over the years around Saturn orbit this is my favorite episode of the original series and it's Brandon's favorite episode of the original series it is I really love this
1: episode and it's uh it, it's kind of interesting I was actually quite surprised to find out how few people put this episode up high on their lists like you and I do
0: like I, I've almost never see this in
1: even top 10 lists. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Maybe it's because it's different, but you know, we'll get into that in our commentary, obviously, as we talk through it. But, uh, but yeah, definitely, uh, obviously, in our top ten list, mm-hmm. it's our number one. Yeah. So anyway, guys, uh, there are many ways to watch along with us. You can queue up your. Laser disc, or your vhs or your dvd or your hd dvd or your blu-ray or your streaming service right now as of this recording you can watch on cbs all access if you're in america uh <laughs> netflix hulu all kinds of ways to watch this episode or if you just want to listen along that's cool too but if you want to sync us up and watch along with the video uh set your counter to zero 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 destruct zero destruct Zero. (laughs) And uh, we'll count you down. Three, two, one. We'll press play. And then we'll get right into it. Are you ready, Brandon? I was born ready, Nick. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one,
1: So I'm watching on Netflix here, Captain's Log, Stardate One Three One Two Point Four, and it's the enhanced effects on Netflix, which I personally don't prefer. Mm
0: -hmm. Same thing. I'm watching on CBS All Access, and it's the remastered version. Mm -hmm. And I give them a little little bit of credit, I guess, because they they spent a lot of time remastering the pilot enterprise. Mm -hmm. Like, they didn't just plug in the model they had for the show proper. They mm-hmm. spent some time and recreated that model Enterprise. Um, Look at that terrible collar on Spock. Man, this episode's a joke. <laughs> it is. It is interesting that the, the uniforms here—they're obviously using the same uniforms they used in the cage, but they in the cage they like rolled down this ribbing of the neck, this turtleneck neck. But in this one, a lot of the officers—they're just left popped up, and clearly the cage is the better way to wear these.
1: These guys are like the cool version, right? <laughs> Look at that outfit in the background there. That chick's wearing that pink tank top.
0: <laughs> They're definitely off One duty. One of his ancestors married a Earth woman. Mm-hmm. You know, that's good continuity there, Star Trek. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> One of his ancestors, like his previous generation.
0: Like his mom is <laughs> a mom. human.
1: This episode's not canon.
0: So look at this uh, reflection on the table there. When Kelso's talking to them, Mm -hmm. it's clearly the white screen they're looking at on set. So, something I thought they might have tried to correct and remastered, but, Mm -hmm. you know, remastered infamously. No time, no money. Whatever they did above and beyond, like the the clock and the countdown and all those sorts of things, non space effects, was above and beyond by Mike Akuda and his team. So, Mm -hmm. not going to criticize too much on that.
1: Mm -hmm. Awesome.
0: So, here we are. We don't have a red
1: shirt on Scotty, but he's got the right engineering logo, which I always think is really cool.
0: Now, how long did it take you. To figure out that these are two different shades of shirts. I don't know.
1: I think I always noticed it.
0: Well, I don't know. Maybe watching it as a kid, like on like a VHS recording off a TV broadcast, as I did for many of these episodes, it was not very evident mm-hmm. that there were three shades. I thought like, okay, well, there's like green, mm-hmm. yellowish, and there's bluish. But now, obviously, now that everything's been remastered and the colors are more vibrant, the 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 difference is very clear. Like the command track has the uh, gold and the you know space. the engineering operations the division, frontier. which will become red, mm-hmm. is tan. So anyway, I just skipped Enterprise. the intro. Is that okay? It's five year mission. No, it's not okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> now, actually, you mentioned <laughs> how dare you? Uh, you uh, you know, you mentioned the intro. Uh, something else about the uh, remastered version, uh, which I don't like is they put the space yeah. the Final Frontier intro in, and that's always something that. Kind of set this episode apart from the rest because in my, in my head canon this was before the five year mission. Right. You know, like this is you know some adventure and then they they go through all this stuff going up to the barrier and then they get you know they come back and they get a small refit, and they get new uniforms and then they start the five year mission. That's the, my head canon always. Was. Oh, okay. Uh, that's interesting. Not, not that it matters, but that's how I always interpreted it. And then of course seasons one, two, three of TOS, are the first three years. Is seasons uh, one and two of the animated series or the fourth and fifth years that's how I saw it so I don't
1: know to me it was always like I watch chronologically via uh, production order I always have uh, for all three seasons of the of the original Star Trek so to to me like this is just right at the beginning and I, I, I don't know I think like, I it never bothered me that we end up with red shirts in the next episode you know So I don't that it's just they just grabbed a different shirt. I don't know. It's never been something that's ever bothered me.
0: Well, I mean, I I think it's odd in air date order when this episode is Mm -hmm. just in the middle of the rest. You know, it's aired third. Mm -hmm. That's odd. But if there's like a natural progression, you can say, oh, well, they just updated this. They changed that. Uhura, right? Not not in this episode, but she's in the Might Maneuver and Mudd's Women. She's wearing gold, mm-hmm. and then she's wearing right after that. So lots of little changes. Right. Um, what, do, what do you think of this bridge? This is like an intermediate bridge between the Cage Bridge and the original Series Bridge. Well, I think that those
1: are some pretty sexy pants that Spock has on.
0: <laughs> those tight pants. I know you've mentioned that before on the show. I've never even noticed that until talking to you about this, Brandon. Yeah,
1: there are some tight pants that he's got on It's July's like, wife, uh, not not good. <laughs>
0: Well the, the well the view screen there it's it's, Very it's the one from yeah it's it's literally the the one from the cage they changed nothing in the front of the ship I I do like the original series proper um View screens bigger, you know. Um, this is Kirk, attention all decks. So this didn't happen, right really. this happened a lot in like in earlier seasons. Mm-hmm. You know, even in TNG, it was like attention all decks, all divisions, right? Mm-hmm. But later, as, as the show goes on, they don't do these ship-wide announcements. Mm-hmm.
1: It seems. See, what I love about this episode is I love the history that's built. Like, we, we, we've we got this reference to this other ship already that's like, pre, you know, pre-Federation. It's gone on this Valiant, mission and yeah. been lost, you know. I, I I think that's probably my favorite aspect of this episode and why I like it so much is the history building that it does right from the get-go.
0: Yeah, There's there's a lot of universe building here, establishing how long we've been in space, and that sort of thing. And and beyond just uh, universe building, uh, this being the first episode with this crew, or at least most of this crew, right? Mm -hmm. There's not... Like, hello, I'm, I mean, we just met these officers, as I say this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Spock and Kirk know each other. Mitchell and Kirk go back years. Like, it's interesting you kind of just jump in mm-hmm. to these established characters doing their job. And it's not every other Star Trek show has been like, hello, I'm the new character. We're on the new ship, and I'm getting used to this and that, da 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 da, da. This one is just, it might have been a product of, you know, 60s TV, right, where everything could be, in theory, just... You could watch anything in any order. Mm-hmm. Um, and and aside from the aesthetics here, right? you really could watch this in any
1: order. Right. And, you know, I watched this episode, and I get the impression that these characters have worked with each other for a significant period of time already at some point in this mission. And, you know, like we get the first episode of Discovery. And they're like, we've worked together for seven years. And the way those people are talking to each other and interacting with each other, there is no freaking way those people have been working together for seven years like they tell us. That is not a camaraderie of any kind. And it's really, really poorly written if they're trying to convey that these people have been together for seven years. And this episode does backstory and relationships perfectly.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Even later on in, in the uh, conference room scene, dinner says something like, "This is a man you've worked with for years, you know, yeah. so you, you don't know how long they've really been together on the on this ship." But you're absolutely right; you buy it, and, you know, to talk about the the guest stars to to sell that, you know. Uh, dinner uh, is uh, you know, uh, Sally, Sally Kellerman. Killerman. I got to meet her. I'm pointing up at my flag. I have her autograph <laughs> up here. I got to meet her in, <laughs> in Vegas. So she's great. She's like the newer transfer, so she's like your, I don't know, not that there's a point-of-view character here, but, you know, she's kind of the newer element to mm-hmm. to, to this established crew. But Gary Lockwood, mm-hmm. right, Mitchell, you know, Kirk's best friend for years, you know, he is so comfortable in this role. Uh, you, you, you buy this guy works in space, and it's so funny because, you know, just a couple years later, he's in 2001, a space odyssey, mm-hmm. as a similar kind of character. So. Yeah. That part there,
1: too, when he's relaying the messages, I find really creepy, and it still works for me when Spock's like, no, I must have read that wrong, you know. Because what I interpret is that he's not actually hearing a, a captain's log like we hear, right? Because mm. he's got to interpret it. So I'm guessing like it's some type of computer code that he's able to decipher. That's how I've always interpreted
0: it. Oh, interesting. I never, uh, never looked at it that way. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. About this. so, there's so many things. And you, I, I mean, this is our favorite episode. We're rewatching it. We're seeing all new angles or things to notice and talk about. This, yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah, what, what do you think of uh, what do you think of the, all the goosenecks on all these consoles? The gooseneck uh, monitors, I, I kind of like them. Me too. Like I, I think we've talked before about how much I love the set design of the cage,
1: and I like the muted mm-hmm. colors of the cage. I understand why they changed it, uh, but I like that it, it, it's sixty sci-fi, but it, it does fit with what's going on. So I don't. Know, I like it. I think it's cool. And fiddle of some kind. <laughs> Shouty Spock. Shouty Spock. And then, uh, here we go. We got with the, uh, this is where they find God, right? No, this is
0: not the Great Barrier. This is the Galactic Barrier. Oh. It, it, it is funny. I know you're joking around, but a lot of people get these confused. <laughs> and I'm like, I, you know, there, it makes sense to me like there's something in the middle and there's something on the edges, right? So, you know, anyway.
1: Neither makes sense.
0: Destiny negative. Energy negative.
1: Neither makes sense to me. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, is there, that's the thing, like, it looks like on a two-dimensional plane, but I guess that's just your perspective, because why don't, the criticism is why don't they just fly over it, or under it, but it's 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 so large, like, as you get up to it, it's like the whole circumference of the wall of the galaxy or something, I guess. Yeah,
1: so. it's like, a, it's like Stephen King's under the
0: dome. Exactly. Right. <laughs>
1: But I don't know, like, to, I don't know, like, I've never researched this, but as far as the way that I interpret the galaxy, is it just, you just keep going, so I mean you leave a city, right? We'll you we'll never know. You just leave the city, and then you're out on the highway outside of the city, right? So, I don't know.
0: Look at, uh, Mitchell being smooth there, holding the hand of the, uh, the yeoman. Yeah, he's a lady's Yeoman. I-, I find it amusing, Kirk was like, uh, Jones? Smith, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the most two common names. Uh, you, you know, that's how they came up with Indiana Jones, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. From this? Uh, well, no, I'm just saying like Jones and Smith. Oh. Like uh, Lucas called uh, Indiana Jones, Indiana Smith. Huh. That was the, And then Spielberg's like, I don't like the name. And Lucas was like, uh, what about uh, Indiana Jones? <laughs> Spielberg's <was> like, okay. <laughs> so, anyway. Did you know that uh, Temple of Doom's a prequel? You know, I did not know that, Brad. Is it, does it take place before it is of the Lost Ark? That's a little in-joke we have. from another podcast we have. Look at Spock taking the helm. Went off, you don't see him on the helm very often. No, you don't. But- and hey, we're we're what what what's the time code here? We're we're, we're ten minutes in the episode, and now we've had our big event where mm-hmm. uh, Mitchell and Denner have been electrocuted somehow, and uh, this energy has found them, right? Uh so we only got to see Gary Mitchell for like a few minutes, right? But I think him like him sneaking into the turbo lift, joking around with Kirk and Spock, like that was enough to know that like okay, these guys. They were cool. They didn't have a problem before this. And I think that's important to establish that. Because when this guy wakes up and he has a god complex, you like, well, is this guy always this way? Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, he wasn't. Or was he deep underneath? Did it just reveal a dark side that we all have, Brandon? See, I interpret it like
1: that it, it changes him, not just physically, but it does change his, his mind, and he gets addicted to the power.
0: Look at that zipper on the back of the U.S. <laughs> No, you're right, and I, I think that's an interesting question about the episode, right? And this, this is this is why you know, as you talk no! about it, like, oh, yes! oh, look at his <laughs> eyes! <laughs>
1: my rosemary's babies. Rosemary's Fam- Famous,
0: famously, uh, Gary Lockwood hated those eyes. Like, like he hated that the contact lenses he had to wear. And I don't blame. Him. I don't wear contact lenses. I wear glasses when I need to. Uh, I I hate the idea of something in my eyes, so I don't blame him. Well, that's I uh, doubt.
1: he I asked him that at the convention where he was, and he's like, yeah, they were like these. Covered in, it was like a tinfoil piece or something, like in between glass, and there was just this tiny prick in
0: between. That cannot be like safe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Standards and practices did not exist Mm -hmm. uh, back in the 60s. But but my okay, here's something else. uh, As we look at these uh uh, these medical logs here, Mm -hmm. right, Uh, personal medical records and stuff. This is something I wish they had a little more time to to update for the remastered. No, because I mean it's it's a static screen. Like, surely Starfleet in the 23rd century would have digital readouts, not these papers in print. No? You're wrong. That much of a purist? You're wrong. (laughs) come on.
1: My choice is to always watch these with their original effects. I do not— No, no.
0: I I like their original effects, too. I'm saying if you're going to do it, just go for it, because unlike Star Wars, Star Trek, both versions still exist. So that's what I'm saying. If you're going to go for it, go for it and replace everything you can. But again, budget, time, I get it. So you can be a fan say whatever wrong do you want. Day. It's your podcast, okay? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, see, but my, my point was uh, getting to, to Mitchell when we started talking about the eyes. Um, this is Spock explaining uh, ESP in the in the nineteen sixties uh, terminology mm-hmm. and science they had. Um, and. The thing about Mitchell, right, in the, uh, is, you know, as he gets more power, he becomes more power-hungry, and absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? But this is, like, the human question, right? And there's a big human question about this, and it's like, what would you do if you had all this power? You know? And he didn't ask for... It. it just kind of happened to him, and he just kind of went with the flow and became what he became and had to be killed for the good of everyone else. So that's that's a moral dilemma, mm-hmm. which is what Star Trek is supposed to be about, you know, and you add the layer of him and Kirk are best friends.
1: Right. So. That's And that's part of the, the joy of this episode and what makes it really fascinating is their history that they have as friends. You know, like you just said, he didn't ask for this, but it is corrupting him. So... What do you do with that? Like, if he if he had these powers and it didn't corrupt him, would they just let him go about his day? Mm-hmm. Would he just be like, I don't know, a Q, basically almost a Q, on board a ship if he was still not corrupted? I don't think that they would just let him do that.
0: Well, that reminds me of hiding Q, right? Mm-hmm. For a brief moment where Riker has the Q powers. It, it is not not a remake of this episode, but there are shades of it in there. Speaking of TNG, they just mentioned deneb Four, mm-hmm. which is you know the the, the uh, planet they go to in a counter far point. point. Yeah. So interesting.
1: On the farthest reaches of the known galaxy.
0: Well, yes, mm-hmm. but not as far as the galactic barrier. Mm-hmm. So,
1: so I, I at that same convention, I got to ask Gary Lockwood about working with Kubrick, and he like I asked him, "Is Kubrick really like?" As crazy about the takes and whatnot, and is a very hard, difficult person to work for. And he's like, he got all upset, and said, "I remember that. Yeah, yeah that was
0: at Sdlv 50." And
1: without saying it, he like said, "No, it's just uh Shelly Duvall who's like lying, basically." But he didn't say that. But he like, you could clearly tell that that's what he was intending, which was kind of weird.
0: Now um, this is a great scene between the two guys here again. Gary Lockwood brings his A game. William Shatner. And these are both like you know A list guys and A list stars you know from the sixties as far as television goes. Because Gary Lockwood he starred in the Lieutenant, mm-hmm. which is a previous Gene Roddenberry show. That's how he got this gig on on Star Trek here. Mm-hmm. Um, important lines here, right? Lockwood's talking about like uh, Mitchell's talking about. Uh, hey, watch out for Lieutenant Kirk, right? He's a he's a stack of books with legs and that kind of thing. And I think that's. An interesting thing that everybody forgets about Kirk's backstory. I the, I see the evolution of James T Kirk mm-hmm. as like he was like a square rule following guy and as he kind of lived life he saw like okay we're like I can't be so strict. I got to bend the rules here, I got to bend the rules there. We're and then he but he has this reputation as like this this roguish rule breaker at every opportunity mm-hmm. established more by the movies and then really hammered home it's in it's the Kelvin timeline time movies. Yeah. Uh and I I think it's more interesting it to have like this guy was like just a you know, no more of a rule breaker than a normal captain. In fact, maybe a little too much hardcore about the rules back in the day. And as he grew and learned the intricacies and shades of command, he became more, you know, like, all right, let's operate. Let's let's operate outside the letter of the law, but for the spirit of the law. Mm-hmm. Um and, and, you know, that Picard's arc is the reverse, as we see in Tapestry, you know. Um, Picard starts out as the roguish rule breaker, and then becomes the you know um, stoic man of the law, right? That we see. So anyway, that that's my take. That's the scene where that establishes that, and that's my view of the evolution of Kirk as a character. He wasn't always this, you know, uh, the, uh, devil make care guy. So.
1: Mm-hmm. This part here too, uh, I want to draw attention Creepy. to the screen. Creepy. <laughs> what the music, like Alexander Courage's music in this, is just outstanding. This is probably my favorite score the original Star Trek. You know, I mm. had that original GNP Crescendo release that had yeah, the cage. with the cage and the Warman I was going before. Yeah. Oh, man, I that was the one I listened over to and the over. most. <laughs> but when it turns and that <laughs> sound happens, oh, yeah. I just love it. It's so spooky. And it still works. So yeah, uh, It's, it's, it's head, hairy. It's effective. Headcanon. So
0: is that uh, Carol Marcus that he's talking about? Oh, the blonde lab technician. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> it could be her. It also could be Ruth from Shoreleaf. Mm-hmm. Um, also could be... Uh, the doctor from the Deadly Years, uh, Janet Wallace, mm-hmm. I believe. So there are lots of, you know, just see, Okay, just because Kirk had a lot of girlfriends, I mean, he was just a crazy rule-breaking, womanizing guy, right? He just you know, just a popular guy and Could have been along Janice well with Lester. the ladies, you know. Been, well, she wasn't a blonde; she was a redhead. Well, she might so. have dyed her hair red. Very Sorry. true. So, um, or dyed her hair <laughs> yes, blonde. That is that is a classic. That is a classic headcanon thing as well. I'm sure. I'm sure there's a novel out there that dives into that because there's a novel out there that dives into everything yes. related to the original series. Yeah. Um, but here we we get a you know a, a scene here between dinner and Mitchell, and uh, he had kind of called her a, a walking freezer unit before, right? So it's like ah, he's not really you know, unimpressed with her air about her. Uh, or at least perceived air of mm-hmm. you know uh a professionalism or, or whatever you want to call it. it it runs them the wrong way right but but you know they're kind of you know connecting here because she finds them interesting with what's going on to them right
1: right because she's a scientist she's good at her job mm-hmm. and she wants to figure out what's going on and she had it happen to her too right so so but, that, she-
0: but yeah but she yeah that's the thing it just it just I took just a little longer to happen mm-hmm. to her so i i don't i i don't think that was a cheat like i think maybe that is that's a great point Brent. i think that's kind of is why they're kind of more drawn together Mm -hmm. uh, throughout this episode as she starts to kind of go over to quote-unquote his side. And she might be feeling changes happening,
1: right? And Mm -hmm. ask, because she she knows that it happened instantly to him, but she might also be there because she notices something different happening to her, but it's Mm -hmm. just happening more
0: slowly, right? All right and it's interesting you know gary being the being the kind of guy he is you can kind of see him like putting some moves on her but he, he he's immediately established to be that kind of guy like again holding the holding the hand of the yeoman and all that so it just seems like hey this, this is how this guy operates so right. um and, and you know the cage right number one major Baird's character was supposed to be you know the main cast member and here even though dr dinner does not go on to be a main cast member she is basically this the second doctor on the ship, so I th- so I think that's you know really cool that we have a, a strong female character having mm-hmm. such an essential role in this story, and you know Doctor Piper is a nothing character. He's there just to to fill the role of the quote unquote ship's doctor. I think it would have been more interesting, especially knowing that this is a one episode thing, if Doctor Dinner was like the ship's doctor. You know oh, okay, just like yeah. because because why have you know I know she's like the psychiatrist psychologist, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, that would have
1: been interesting. I, th- I kind of think figured you were going that way when you were talking about it. Because, yeah, we never see Piper again. And, you know, it's not Boyce, right? Right. So it's not Boyce from the cage. So, but, uh, yeah, she could have been. She could have been the main doctor on the ship. And then, e- even still, then nothing changes. Mean. Right, right because we, we have to replace her, we her the next
0: episode. <laughs> replace,
1: anyways, yeah.
0: Well, force Kelly, you know, uh, uh, he kept turning it down. Uh, uh, Gene Roddenberry wanted him. Uh, to be the uh, to be the doctor. Either he was turning it down or the networks were saying no because he was known for his villain roles. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm not entirely sure off the top of my head as we talk about this, but eventually they got their guy because uh, DeForest Kelly was always Gene Roddenberry's number one choice to be the doctor uh, on Star Trek and it, it, his instincts proved correct. Mm-hmm. So,
1: Do you know the only other episode that... Uh divorce kelly wasn't in other than this one and uh, not including the cage
0: well there's two actually Brennan.
1: yeah so there's this one and the
0: cage and well there's two other ones this there's... is where we out yeah, red and i like to out trivia each other yes so. <laughs> do you know the other there's, episodes yeah there's uh erin and mercy yep and what are little girls made have another yep. favorite episode of ours so yep. which we, we also did a commentary com- of the robert robert did. block episode the robert block trilogy look at this like kelso coming in here oh i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> I,
1: I think we mentioned <laughs> that mccoy trivia uh, when we did uh, what
0: are little girls made of? We probably did. It's it's interesting because you don't you don't think about you just you just think he's there all the time, you right? Know? And he almost is. So, and that, that is I will say that's the one thing this episode is missing. It's missing McCoy. Uh, I kind of like it though. But it,
1: again, that's part of the reason why I like this so much is it's this prehistory to the show, and and it, that's why I love it so much. You know, because the it, the world was built upon this. I mean, all the Star Trek series had characters come and go throughout them, you know, except for really TOS, right? They kind of had the established yeah. crew. Like, I guess, yeah, Chekhov comes, but I, as much as he became a main character in the movies, he wasn't really in the original show. You know, Nichelle Nichols was always there, but I never, I never considered her a main character because she doesn't have a lot of lines or a lot to do in the 80 episodes. It was really, to me when the movies came around that those two characters became main characters, you know? Does that make mm-hmm.
0: sense? No, I follow you. And They were... I mean, they were not never in the opening credits, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, they were just actors that, you know, the crew liked working with and for some familiar faces. I mean, they were there and all their lines were interchangeable in 85% of the episodes. You know, mm-hmm. occasionally, Uhura got some stuff to do with singing. Chekhov got what some Russia you jokes. Sulu got some stuff with swords, you know? And Scotty, you know... Anywhere. Uh, the the honorary member of the big three, you know, he he had a lot more to do, but but yeah, you're you're right. And well, like McCoy that,
1: and Spock were interchangeable as well. They weren't really important. I mean, like look at Generations. You can just throw in Chekhov and Scotty. <laughs> all
0: right, all right. Moving on from that. Uh, so the, the, the last scene was interesting. That we start to see it establishes. You know that Gary, you know, he's he's not only reading at an incredible rate, he's retaining at an in incredible rate, and has a photographic memory at this point. And he's also mm-hmm. at, at really showing off his ESP um, because he saw a problem that no one else saw. And, and now it's, it's becoming like, all right, got to talk about this because this guy has powers beyond our understanding. Right,
1: right. I think that's pretty fascinating as well because it, it's, it, it's, he's not selfish at this point, right? So he's not looking after himself. So the power is changing him, right? Mm-hmm. It didn't change him right away while the physical manifestations were quick internally, it took a while for him to become a supervillain or whatever you want to call him, right? There's Scotty.
0: Sulu and Blue, by the way. So Sulu, um, the first Star Trek character to wear blue, red, and Command Gold. Uh, We're red in Mirror Mirror, of course, as the security officer, and we're gold in the um, TOS proper. So. majority of the rest and now no dinner's trying to like defend them? the fact Don't that you, you know a mutated superior man could also be a wonderful thing superior I, man could be a yeah, wonderful thing ever.
1: right and I think the reason why she's defending so much is because she can feel the changes happening to her right that's mm. always been my interpretation of it she's like how are they going to start talking about me mm. when these physical manifestations start appearing on me Mm-hmm. So that's why I've always – because, again, she's she's not really interested in him, right, right, right at the beginning. Right. She's curious about him because of the changes. That's how I've always interpreted this episode.
0: So this is Sulu uh, <laughs> explaining the math. Mm-hmm. I really – I haven't done the math on that, but if you had a penny and you doubled it every day, would you really be a millionaire in a month? Yes. <laughs> I needed <laughs> –
1: Yes. If you had that – if you had 100% interest, you'd be a millionaire in a month, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's less than a month, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, this episode's so good. It's
0: true. And I love how the, they, they have the conference here, but then Spock stays behind. And this is, you know, as, as a pre history of Star Trek, this is the episode that really Spock and Kirk become, you know, friends in because yeah. Kirk's lost his best friend and now Spock and him kind of bond over this. Right. So I he love calls, the, him gi- calls him Jim in this scene. Yeah.
1: I love this set. Like, we never, ever see this again, right? But this is such a this cool... This is the cool-looking conference room again. set, absolutely. They got this weird, like, tent topper over top of them or whatever.
0: Uh-huh. So, I don't know where they would have filmed this or what they would have done, but... Was this in the cage, this set? Uh, there is a there is a briefing room set in the cage. They probably just painted these red stripes on it, but I, I'm pretty sure it's the same set. So um, this, is, this is a classic TV thing, right? A blocking the actors. It's like, they're having a conversation, but why aren't you looking at each other? You <laughs>
1: Because he's looking out the window, he's he's pensive.
0: Pensive Kirk. That's what the T stands for. Was pensive. Right. Well, I thought it's R. James R. Kirk. But we'll oh, get into that. That's a joke. And so, so this is this is pure Spock right here. He's like, "Kill Mitchell while you still can." You know, I'm like, "This is, this is Spock." see and this is what and I'm gonna just a slight aside on like modern interpretations of Spock annoy me um, Spock is an interesting character and became so iconic because he has a different worldview he has different thoughts he has different he has feelings but he controls them he looks at things differently he's not just a guy with pointed ears and funny eyebrows right he is he has a different character and that's what he brings and I feel like in all the modern interpretations of Spock and the Kelvin timeline movies and discovery like they make him just like what if Spock was like emotional and stuff man I'm like okay well that but no like 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 the, the characters established this like what other crew members gonna be like all right we need to kill this guy so, well, that's cr- he's like, yeah, well, that's the logical thing to do, right? Yeah. Like, that is what makes Spock Spock. Moments yep. like this. And that, and that off the jump, that establishes who this character is. Now in the cage, yeah, he hadn't been rolled to five But now, other than shouting and a little more bushier eyebrows, he, he is this the almost a fully formed Spock that we know. You know, you know what I'm saying there though, Brandon, about the 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 need people seem to have to like, let's let's look at a different angle of Spock. Well no, then he's not to me he's not Spock then. So
1: So what you're saying is we need a, a dark prequel origin story for Spock.
0: No, that's exactly what we don't need. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> All right, so anyway. Oh,
1: I, oh, sorry, I misunderstood. So. Oh. Could you imagine if they did Joker, but with Spock?
0: Oh, God. Although Joker wasn't... I loved Joker, by the way. I haven't had a chance to see. see it yet. I want to. I see thought it. it was. I thought it was amazing. I think the hype on both sides is. We're dating the podcast, but as this recording had just come out, uh, I think the hype on both sides of it before it came out was unwarranted. You know, mm-hmm. if it had just come out in a vacuum, people were like, "All oh, right, that was a great movie," and they would have moved on with their life, right? But because there was so much hype on both sides, mm-hmm. you know. But anyway, I recommend uh, seeing Joker. But hey, it's not for the faint of heart. It's very visceral, mm-hmm. so it's rated R for a reason, guys. I'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. So. Just had Mitchell showing off, uh, bringing that Dixie cup over to Ryan him across the room. <laughs> That's not a Dixie so, cup. That's a future cup. <laughs> I love these cups on the original series. So, that and the um, the um, the spray, the the spray canisters yeah, you know the, that we see in Sickbay. Yeah, <laughs> Conscious of the King and episodes like that. Some people think that makes me a monster. This is where we start to see Mitchell really starting to kind of get the big hit here, right? Yeah,
1: get arrogant. This is the spot. And I, So, also the idea of this is this lithium cracking station that they're about to go to. Like, what a cool concept. And again, world building and universe building that there's this, this would have been a man station at one point, but, you know, technology's evolved to the point where they're able to do this in automation and they just get a repair crew there every once in a while. But uh, again, it's like world building. The Federation is out there and doing things, you know, in more ways than one. Lightning, what is this? Return of the Jedi?
0: <laughs> I, I like, I like when Kirk asks him, like, "What, what would you do if I were you and you were me?" He's like, "I'd probably do what Mister Spock is thinking. I'd kill me while you can." <laughs> I'm like, "Wow, that's you know."
1: Yeah, well, with the way, with how quickly he's uh, he's growing and how quickly his powers are expanding, it's mm-hmm. I, they didn't make the wrong call. I don't know, so it's tough to say. But it's it's a true
0: moral dilemma. It is right? a true moral so. dilemma yeah and yep. now you know kirk food coming in <laughs> yep. the uh the vulcan neck pinch has not been invented yet so <laughs>
1: no not for a couple of more episodes and the tos uh, or sorry the the cage era phasers
0: yes uh, the lasers as they're called much like you know dilithium is called lithium phasers are called lasers you know um the uh, they're in the transporter room now, and, and you, you see them in the in, in the in the pilots, and sometimes because Mr. Kyle was there sometimes with Scotty or other people, other technicians. It took two people to operate the transporter. Mm-hmm. I like that. It implies it's like it, it's because it's it's uh, older from like a TNG era, or it's newer technology requires more people to operate it. I like that. I know it's just uh it has nothing to. They didn't plan that out obviously, but. It, you know, it's like, oh, this is a a newer, sophisticated piece of technology. It takes more than one person to operate it. So, why didn't he fall over if he's like tranquilized? <laughs> I thought that too. It's like, that, is there some kind of force field in the transporter like, to like always, to 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 too? To the transporter. Like, that's always that's always annoyed me too by the transporter. Like, why why these pads exist if you don't have to stay on them? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I know they don't want to. Like, it gets dark <laughs> if your hand gets cut off because yeah. it was outside of the Nobody you know the tube of the pads. It. But anyway,
1: <laughs> so. these uh. uh Gary Lockwood's a great actor too, like there's that thing too where he's like rubbing his mouth and stuff like when mm-hmm. they're about to take him in with the one hand I don't know yeah just does like little neat stuff little things. You, you? you see the sparkling in the background on the on the mountains out there is that the lithium that uh, that must be it yeah, yeah, the lithium. that's like regular you know your regular octane
0: yeah, and then there's dilithium it's the premium, which yeah. which you know if you want your engine to run better you put dilithium in your ship so <laughs>
1: They improved their, their uh, cracking ability.
0: <laughs> Holy smokes, look at his hair. It's all gray. Is it, is it getting grayer as the show goes, though? Yeah. Like, that's what I'm... Around so the he's, side. He's like, he's like, he's like Pike on, uh, on, <laughs> on Accelerated. You notice that? Like, Pike's hair is very inconsistently gray and black on Discovery. Mm, one I discovery. didn't notice, no. I was great I was enjoying the temples. show too much. <laughs> well, I wasn't, so I noticed <laughs> these things. Um the the graying of the temples, it adds a certain dignity to though, you know, mm-hmm. salt and pepper look. So, mm-hmm. anyway. See, it's gone. What My the heck? Now there's no gray. it might just be reflection thing. So. He's good greasy he's, hair. He's it's reflecting things. Notice he's calling him James now, right? Cuz there's like a there's a div- uh, there's distance now between them. Mm-hmm. You know, because he feels like he's beneath like, a squashy like insects, like he said in the transporter room. So, been those, yeah. And those rodent <laughs> things? I wonder, wonder what those were. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, Gary Lockwood also said that the the pinholes for him to look through didn't line up, and so that's why he had to kind of look down. Mm-hmm. and Which it worked out because it kind of gave him, like, a smug attitude look. Absolutely. You know, yeah, so.
0: Like, like literally, like, like, sticking his nose up at these people because they're beneath him. Yeah. So. Why don't you kill me then? Mr. Good old white Kirk or a if you can' see it you don't mean that Gary and it's interesting in that I guess maybe that's how they envisioned Star Trek at the time but so many, like you look at both pilots right they're both built around these guest stars mm-hmm. you know you had Susan Oliver you know this one you have Gary Lockwood and Sally Kellerman you know mm-hmm. uh, but that's you know that was episodic TV then you know the guest star of the week is like the the, the feature right, story you Mark. know mm-hmm. and uh,
1: for a while at least he could be handled now. So they can, uh, so his eyes go away quick. That's a neat effect. It's a good effect for the mm-hmm. early 60s there. Because while this mm-hmm. aired in
0: 66, this would have been filmed probably in 65. Yeah, late 65, yeah. something like that. So. And it's great. Yeah, it, it is this it's, it's this bridge episode between, you know, the cage, what we saw, and then what we got in U.S. proper. And that's why it's, it's just, just a fascinating oddity. Maybe that's why we like it so much or are mm-hmm. drawn to it because it's the only time you see. So many of these things. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, like, what is that that weird looking belt? Like, I know it's supposed to hold his phaser and stuff, but it's just a weird belt on
0: Spock there. P- perhaps it's a uh, prototype for the uh, um, environmental belt from the animated series. Ah, <laughs> so. uh, yes. Do you? And speaking, of, okay, we see the, Ener- the Enterprise here um, in orbit. Do you? Uh, do you like which, which, which ship do you like better? Like the the pilot version with like the big deflector dish and then the cells with the points on them, or do you like the TOS proper one?
1: Uh, I like the one from the motion picture.
0: Well, oh yeah, I do. Uh, we all do. Okay, but um, it's fun, you know. In the opening credits, that's something they did smooth over and, and remastered in the opening credits. I'm, I'm sure anyone who's listening to this have noticed this, but they use shots of both ships, <laughs> so it's and like the you know the space the level frontier all that you, you see the the series proper model and the pilot model, you know, and they go back and forth, and so that always uh, stuck out to me.
1: I don't know, honestly. I never noticed until later in fandom when people pointed it out that there was more than one
0: different type of look to the models. I I love this exchange here between Kirk and Spock. He's like, "What makes you right?" The trained psychologist is wrong. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Because she feels." I don't. All I know is logic, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's what he's there for—to mm-hmm. show that different point of view. So.
1: But we know that's not canon because he does feel.
0: <laughs> yes, but he yes. Okay, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> At your discretion, you. Sitting
1: here, you think Just still it. waiting for that gritty reboot, that gritty origin story, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: where he like kills his own dad out of anger. What do you think? Kill sir.
0: I don't think I, I don't, you know, I'm sure they'll get there at some point, Brandon. But
1: <laughs> Co- commendations
0: Kelso and the engineering staff here for doing a bang up job.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I gotta I'll, say, like, I'll give you a commendation ahead. for your podcast here.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah, for having does that. Does that mean I'm gonna get strangled by <laughs> A cord from behind me.
1: <laughs> Accommodation for having great guest stars on, great guest uh, mm-hmm. guest hosts. But see,
0: you're you're I'm William Shatner, and you're Gary Lockwood, and yes. unfortunately I'm gonna have to kill you for this. <laughs> oh, is over, I'm Elizabeth Denner. Well, you have to die too. <laughs> so, <laughs> she she you look at her, she's like hypnotized by him now, mm-hmm. you know. And I I like your theory of like it's it's the power that's like drawing them together, right. or changing her point of view on things. You're right, his hair is grayer here. Yeah, yeah see, interesting. Seems
1: to be running fine. And now he's gonna kill him. Oh, poor Kelso! You you left us too soon.
0: I like the big communicators. Kind of of the job we've done. They look I like just if you on. took the case off the TOS communicators. <laughs> That's what they look
1: like. That's like the iPhone
0: 112. <laughs> flip phones are gonna come back in style, guys. Yeah. 23rd century. Flip iPhones. I flip phones. I flip phone.
1: You're leaving with a ship, Doctor
0: he is not evil I gave you an order doctor. you should have killed me while you could but is he evil Brandon or he... uh, <laughs> I, I think
1: that he became evil like I think that there would be there would have been no way to save this guy in my opinion so when I watch this episode there's no way to save uh, Gary Mitchell
0: mm-hmm.
1: same because with that pow-
0: yeah his powers have become so great now that nothing can stop him
1: mm-hmm. like he just opened the force field right so mm-hmm. now you can do just about anything.
0: Check out that zipper on the back of her uniform. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, women wearing the pants, right? And the pilots, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. I think much like in the movie era, it should be optional. Sometimes Zura has a skirt, sometimes she has pants, you know? Mm-hmm. So there she is. See she's felt the change the whole time. They use they use that shot so many times in the closing credits. <laughs> of mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the slides. Here, Dr. Piper finally doing something. What does he give him? Some some pill. For what? It, it's funny because they, they had they had established the hypo spray earlier, you know, when they inject Mitchell. you think he would just go up to Kirk and go like, but they didn't know. He's you know, just an finally. old country doctor. He's just an old country doctor. just
1: believes in pills.
0: So, you know, um, Paul Fix, he's in an episode of The Twilight Zone, Brandon. Uh, uh, is he? He's in uh, I Am the Night, Color Me Black.
1: Oh, I haven't seen that in I so long. Believe. That's season five, yeah. isn't it?
0: Uh, I, I I think so, perhaps. Yeah. But he's like one of the townspeople there. That's a good episode. Uh, so Mention that because we're big Twilight Zone fans. And obviously Shatner was in the Twilight Zone. That helped him get this gig. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gary Lockwood was in the Twilight Zone, but he was in a Night Gallery episode I saw and not he, too long ago.
1: Leonard Nimoy was in Twilight Zone?
0: Leonard Nimoy was in Twilight Zone. George Takei was in Twilight Zone. In Twilight Zone. See, look at this phaser. Like that's. I love this power. phaser. That is amazing. I'm shocked. You know, for a show that had to reuse stuff all the time, you think this would show up again, unless it was, like, destroyed or stolen between the pilot and the original series, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I really liked in Star Trek Continues. Uh, they bring back that phaser and use it, like, in the TOS era time, because it's, it's the Phaser 3. Um, Does this TOS, not... So. Sorry,
1: interrupt here. Does this not look like the planet from the cage?
0: It's exactly the same. They didn't change a thing. <laughs> they, they just took those little singing plants down, but it's exactly the same. Absolutely. So... But remember, people were never supposed to have seen the cage, <laughs> so they're like, "We can reuse all this stuff." Yeah, and then like literally six months later, they're showing. <laughs> There's the background showing from the cage, cage right there.
1: <laughs> this music right, is know, so good.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna say the music, right? And the reason I think we like it so much because, in addition to having heard that soundtrack over and over and over when we were younger, uh, they reuse this music itself so mm-hmm. much in the show. Yeah. So, anyway, they yeah, sure do. Yeah,
1: Sally Kellerman told a story about this. I asked her about it. She talked about having to eat the apples or whatever the fruit is and how it just like was dripping all over, and she had to do a bunch of different takes with it. Because
0: I couldn't see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, no, this episode, right, It's it's got great moral dilemma. It has space exploration, and then it has, you know, action as well. So you, you put all those things together, and that's what Star Trek is all about. right? The, and then exploring the human condition... You know, like this is ultimately it's like, you know, uh, that's what they're getting at here. Mm -hmm. So there is, yes, it's a action adventure story. That was the mandate from the network. Give us more action. Right. But Roddenberry found a way to uh, with, you know, Samuel Samuel Peoples, who Mm -hmm. wrote this episode as well, uh, to incorporate like, look, we want highbrow science fiction, but need to kind of put it in a more action packed package. And I think that's the winning formula for Star Trek, as we have seen for the last 50 years. Mm hmm. Because look, if this episode, this is the most important episode of Star Trek. Because so. if this hadn't sold, then that'd be all right, guys. We gave you a second chance, yep. <laughs> you know. Because that's unprecedented to be like, all right, we like your show, but you need to redo it. Okay, <laughs> you know, that's so what that's, they said after the cage.
1: <laughs> that's not entirely true that it's unprecedented. It's happened quite a few times. I don't know. We, Star Trek has this myth about all these things that Star Trek did The first, first
0: interracial kiss, <laughs> which is not
1: true as well. Yeah. Um. But uh, like, Lost in Space came out the year before. Star Trek and they did a pilot and they're like look we like this but want to change it up a bit want you to change the tone of it so what they did is they took that first pilot they -hmm. they chopped it up and they used elements of that pilot over like the first six episodes of the show and just filmed more story to fill those six episodes right but I mean like even there it's it's different but it it's almost like ordering more yeah, and I, changing it I see your point
0: and, and you're absolutely right Star Trek you know, does take credit know. for a lot of things you know <laughs> especially Star Trek fans but uh, but they still use the same cast the same story and the same episodes for Lost and Space this was a radical reinvention mm-hmm. of the show so and yeah. I, I don't know I like I like these cage and where, and where has gone before costumes better uh, than the TOS proper ones even though we're making fun of the zippers like the, season three, yes, but season one and two, they always look like like a T-shirt you left in the dryer a little too long. Sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Like they just a little wrinkly, a little riding up on people. So at least have some weight, some thickness to them. So it's a thicker material. Yeah, yeah. It's very cold in space, so.
1: Do you think that these have
0: the internal heaters that they used in Spock's brain? That, that was Season 3. See, that's what's great about the Season 3 uniforms. So, set, set the uniform to 72 degrees, and then they're punching. What are you punching? What has this ever been established? You have, like, some control bar in your, in your sleeve. So, And here, and here's our great Star Trek moral dilemma conversation here where right? he's trying to reason with her about what's going on to both of them, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're right in that you can use that as the Season 3 shirts because uh, otherwise with Sulu being down on the planet in... Uh,
0: <laughs> this enemy the, within. what's the
1: enemy. Yeah. Yeah. Also, also no shuttles. Also no shuttles. This, none of this is canon. This is all garbage. Oh, canon police. Oh, cannon police. People are going to lose their minds over the last uh, short trek.
0: Mitchell. <laughs> it's
1: like Khan, right?
0: Khan. Mitchell. <laughs> Kirk does. So do you think? Do you think these guys are gods? No. I mean, they have the power. Of an omnipotent being, perhaps, but mm-hmm. there's only one God, man, and he sure doesn't dress like that. To quote you the Avengers,
1: "You were a psychiatrist once, like." Be a psychologist for one minute long. Ten minutes ago, you were a psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> what do you see happening to him? What's your prognosis? doctor? Yeah, I, I like. Your prognosis, doctor. I, I love Shatner as Kirk. Like, it's amazing. I I don't wait, know. Wait, but... wait
0: for it, wait for it, wait for this roll. <sighs> it's it's coming.
1: Wait for the roll. There it is. <laughs> but he shoots and the, him and it doesn't work. These are powerful. completely
0: ineffective. Mm-hmm. And, okay, so this scene here, Brandon, very reminiscent of the last scene between Cisco, Ducat, and Kai Wen and, and, uh, in D Space Nine. Basically, D Space
1: Nine is just a remake of this episode.
0: Which is why DSpace 9 is so great. Yeah. But really, the phaser, throwing it away, the omnipotent guy, right? I mean, like, it's, it's, there's a lot here that mm-hmm. is, is replicated there. So. Yeah, but. And I say it, it's a good of, thing. Kind of, kind of. Yeah, it's not, a, <laughs> it's not a copy and paste, but a lot of the same elements. And, uh, coming up on, uh, one of our favorite Star Trek together uh, <laughs> James R. Kirk, one of our favorite Star Trek continuity errors. Uh, lots of um, there's been lots of reasons uh, given for that uh, there, there, there is a com- uh, there's a, a novel series about Kirk and Mitchell's friendship and I believe there's an in-joke between them where he says like my, my middle name is Rocketball he's good at racquetball or something so that's something else I wish it would have changed in the remastered but you know yeah, I get it's hard to track like you know live action like, to make an R into a T like that would have been way too much time and effort so I get it.
1: Uh, I yeah. just think it's because they hadn't established the characters prison, that well yet because it's just the pilot.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, that's correct, Brad. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: get how fans get so hung up on those little kinds of inconsistencies. Oh, I, I know it, some people do though. It's insane.
0: Right. How... I, I like talking about. them. Oh. I, I do. I think it's fun to talk about, but it doesn't like. I don't hate things because of it, <laughs> you know. But you're right. Some people get wronged up on that. Like it's
1: like nobody flips out because of data being so emotional in the first Look pilot.
0: Look at Shatner. This is Hello, this is peak Shatner. End. This reacting <sighs> to being forced <sighs> to pray to Mitchell. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> 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 what? Just This all this, makes, a god, if, if all this makes you a god.
1: Right. Anyways, most people don't complain about data in Encounter at Farpoint, smiling and... Class of
0: 79, Brandon. Explain that, if they're in 2364.
1: (laughs) He's really old.
0: There we go. going to get our our force battle now. Yeah.
1: Just as exciting as all the end battles in Harry Potter.
0: (laughs) I don't know, like, what a modern audience like like your has your daughter watched this episode with you
1: no actually we we okay. uh, actually I think she has actually we've watched a few of the original she doesn't really like the original Star Trek so we just started with next generation I Um, you. but like
0: like I'm just curious if like modern you know, audiences or even kids would look at this and be like yeah, whatever because I think it's effective because of what they're doing but I I, I, I get time. that it's dated yeah you know yeah it, I don't
1: know it doesn't me but yeah it's just well, it's not the it's Here not what go. you get nowadays
0: da, 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 da. who is that That's this, not william shatner this this is the look at the look at the so great uh but you're right the stunt double game stunt this double. is classic tos look at this look at these guys They're who just... are they <laughs>
1: I think the worst is in Mirror Mirror when they have that high angle looking down. It's oh. like Bay at Spock, and it's like some guy with just a thing put on his face.
0: Mirror Mirror, also Space Seed as well. It's yeah. tough. Like, like re- remaster that. Use some CGI and, like, face replacement technology on that no.
1: stuff. Oh, Then you get that nonsense in Terminator 2 when he flies off the thing, which looks yeah. terrible.
0: Uh, look. Oh, here we go. See? Uh-oh. He comes back just for a second. He hesitates. hesitates. For a moment. For a moment, James. But your moment is fading.
1: No, I don't. I I'm I'm content. We know what it is. It's just stunt doubles. Like, yeah, I know. you don't need it's, to. It's, it's
0: part of the kitsch. It's yeah. just fun. So, and getting a shirt ripped becomes iconic, right? So,
1: how often does that happen? <laughs> you guys should do an episode where you're like talking about. Wait, well, how many times does Kirk actually rip his shirt
0: in a battle? I rip my shirt again. <laughs> <laughs> I I've i I'd, I'd probably guess eight times. Okay, you know,
1: so so here, I don't get this because would this really kill Gary Mitchell?
0: Well, he was kind of weakened because of the electricity. You know? Sure, but uh, he's
1: got his power back. That didn't squish him,
0: I don't think. Like, it just uh, well, sealed him maybe in. Maybe did. I don't know. He, he's, he has powers to, like, telekinesis, but is he indestructible? You don't know. So. Yeah. He it's would have furry... to be
1: squished by the rock in order to be dead.
0: I, but I think that was a fair way to kill him off, you know?
1: I didn't write anything better.
0: It was it was Chekhov's rock, right? Because as you saw, you know, <laughs> Mitchell had like teased the rock he was going to crush Kirk with, you yeah. mm-hmm. So it was like, oh, I see. Mm-hmm. He set up that rock, and so you, you can't know what it feels like to be almost a god, you know, you, you don't. So you question, like, man, I, I I would hope if I was given powers like this, I would use them responsibly, right? But um, supervillains are always more plentiful than superheroes, so. I, I hate to correct you, but Chekhov doesn't come until season two. It's a literary reference, Brandon. Sorry to <laughs> sorry to inject some culture into this. <laughs> know, yes, we you. make we
1: make many references <laughs> to Chekhov on Warp Five.
0: So, I would have been disappointed if you didn't make some joke about that. So. <laughs> Come in. Well, I'm happy I didn't disappoint. Mr. Spock you. here. No.
1: So did she just <laughs> die then? Like, why did she die? Yeah,
0: because he zapped her. You know, it's like a video game where like the character has to like you know, wait for you to finish your mission to go over and talk to him, then they die. That's what's going on there. with Dinner. So. Uh-huh. I, like, I like how he's got, like, a kind of bandaged up, you know, because yeah, you got, got in a tough fight there. It's because Boyce isn't as good as uh, McCoy. Dana. McCoy would have healed him. Yeah. Uh, similar to the end of the motion picture as well here, right? It's like, list them as missing. Mm. Or, Gary as opposed, you know, they didn't ask what happened to him, that kind of thing. So, yeah, two, two guest star main character crew members, you know, big parts of the story. Then they end up dying at the end mm-hmm. much like motion picture so you didn't he didn't ask for what happened to him yeah. i felt, for, I felt him. for him too right that, that so there's like there's like an arc here for spock and stuff they're joking about emotions at the beginning but like I they have, have a moment of understanding right i believe there's some hope for you after all mr spock and they have this shared look and they're like now they're gonna be friends spock doesn't right?
1: smile this is a canon. <laughs> but
0: you know what I'm saying though? Like 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 you've been saying that this proto TOS, like that's what that is. You yeah. Know? Like this like if they if they were gonna write a prequel to TOS, this this would be great. I mean they never would write it like this, yeah. as we've seen. But this is perfect. So
1: No, yeah, this is I love this episode so much. This is this is great getting to do a commentary for it and just talk about my love for this episode, because this is my favorite episode of the original Star Trek. And if I grab one off the shelf where will, no man has gone before? It will
0: always be where no man has gone before. The cage. I'm reading. I'm, I'm uh, telling you what the slides are. Oh. I didn't know. Where no man has gone before? <laughs> they are going to be mostly pilot slides here. Yes. <laughs> the cage. Because
1: it was the first produced. <laughs> I don't think we get anything else in this one. Just those two. Uh, oh, there we go. Naked. Oh, no, the naked time. naked time.
0: There you
1: go. I never play this game. Only with you.
0: Wow, they they stayed on that one for a while, didn't they? (laughs) And then, of course, the cage. The menagerie. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that was a lot of fun, Brendan. I uh, I enjoyed watching that. But any excuse to watch *Where No Man's Gone* before? Yes, was a good? Because we could have talked about this for three hours, right? Because there's so many things to say. But but ultimately, I say what I always say. It's a great space adventure. It's a great moral dilemma. There's action. There's exploration. There's great acting, and it really sets the uh, the the groundwork and the foundation for the characters that we come to love in the original series proper. And make you know, and and. Kirk and Spock, right? Like mm-hmm. I love their interactions here and that kind of informs their relationship moving forward. So, mm-hmm. I don't know why more people don't love this episode. Like it it, it people don't hate
1: it. Like I don't hear right. anybody saying that they hate it. Like, you know, I I like the alternative factor a lot. It's my number 2 episode for favorites. And people just rag on that episode all the time. Nobody rags on Where No Man's Gone Before, but nobody champions it either, except for you and me. Like, I don't know anybody else who <laughs> champions this episode like you and I do.
0: If, if this episode is in your top ten list, please leave us a comment and let us know. You are you are not alone, all right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, even when people rank the pilots... You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, like our friends over at Trek Geeks did a whole like, we're ranking the pilots of all the Star Trek episodes, right? Where no man has gone before was way at the bottom. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I just, I don't get it. You know, I mean, to me, that's the, it's, it's where no man has gone before. And then I'd say emissary and then Broken Bow or Caretaker. I haven't seen either of those in a while, to be honest with you. I'm sure you'd say Broken Bow because of uh, being the Warp 5 guy you are.
1: I think Caretaker is better than Broken Bow. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Okay k is yeah, a good I, I, pilot. k is an excellent start to a show, which yeah. quickly loses all its promise. <laughs> and uh, and then, of course, Discovery. It's like uh, Vulcan Hello was at the bottom for me for the first episodes. So uh, I still hold that had they started Discovery with Context is for Kings, it would have been a much more intriguing show. Kind of interested you in the character, the ship, all that stuff. But they waited three episodes in. And didn't really hook you with that. So that's 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 my take on Vulcan Hello.
1: So. so what if Vulcan Hello and Battle at the Binary Stars were flashbacks throughout the first season?
0: That would have been excellent. That's exactly yeah. what they should have done. <laughs> like, so I'm too. not even kidding. So because so it's too. like, because you're like, who is this? Who is this Michael Burnham character? What did she do? Oh, she did that. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, and then we would have been like,
1: that's not mutiny.
0: <laughs> we would have been more on <laughs> her side. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, so, you know, I mean, you could say there's like three different, like, is it the man trap? Is it where no one has gone before? Is it the cage? Like, there's so many introduction points to Star Trek. But I always say, and we're on the same page on this, production order is the way to go. Yeah. Uh, story-wise, production-wise, it all just flows. And it's interesting, you know, we're pointing out all these inconsistencies. It's fun to see how they kind of, like, settle in, mm-hmm. you know, about, I'd say about maybe nine or ten episodes in like that's star trek at that point point. and even mm-hmm. before that obviously there's some great episodes like where no man has gone before so
1: i i coming up with our new episode titles this could be battle at the lithium cracking station
0: battle at the lithium cracking station <laughs> there it is very good very good brandon that and, and so shall it be said so shall it be written so brandon thanks a lot for joining me on this commentary these are always so fun to do together uh if people want to find you out there on the internet where can they find you
1: you can find me on Twitter, at Brandon Uh I'm here on the network, wrapping up my run on Warp 5 with Patrick. Our last episode's going to be 202. Uh, that's going to be our final episode. It's already recorded and everything, uh, but that is going to be our last episode for any crossover fans there. Um, you can find me over on the Fandom Podcast Network with my friends Chris and Tom uh, over there, and in our own independent feed, we have Good Evening, and Alfred Hitchcock podcast, where we go through all of Hitch's films one at a time, and you and I host a show over on the United Federation of Podcasts where we look at films and movies and sequels and remakes and that show is called Franchise Fatigue and we are neck deep in the Terminator franchise right now and uh, we just had our episode on Terminator Salvation released and uh, coming out this week we've got our episode on the wonderfully underrated Genesis
0: Genesis? Genesis allowed (laughs) as not. Genesis Yes this is Give me Genesis
1: It's a great that was a great was that not a great discussion?
0: That that was, okay, as much as I don't like Terminator Genesis, that's how much I liked our discussion. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we had a special guest for that discussion as well.
1: Yeah, we had Max Hagel, who's on uh, Tracks from the Line and Tracks from the Edge here on the network. Uh, He joined us to talk about Terminator Genesis, and we (laughs) had fun. That was, you know, uh, we found over there that the best episodes are the most divisive divisive movies oh you the, mean the worst movies no 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 no, no. The, the good movies that you're wrong about so
0: yeah so so if you enjoy this little flavor of me and brandon's back and forth here check us out over on ufp and uh on franchise fatigue so mm-hmm. but where no man has gone before isn't the only thing we're talking about on trek fm this week here's a quick look at what else you might have missed elsewhere on the network previously on trek.fm earl gray okay that's excellent and it'll be interesting to see how we interpreted the topic because i know i may have interpreted it uh maybe a little differently than others did we'll see is this another time travel thing no i was i was gonna say no time travel for me as long as Jellico doesn't come into this sure okay that's <laughs> so we'll make okay. that deal then <laughs> awesome <laughs> i'm in all right literary treks and you know the the stakes are are really big you know we'll, we'll get there but you know this Borg ship threatens earth and all this kind of stuff and it just feels like it, it's it's a lot of really comic booky over-the-top stuff that doesn't quite fit right with the novel that came before it and the novel that came after it if that makes sense
1: <laughs> primitive culture a look at history and culture through star trek <laughs> And next gen arriving was was this sort of whoa, wow, this is looks incredible. I know when we look at sort of first season next gen now, what we're going is wow, this is really slow and stagey. But in fact, it was it was incredible. It was absolutely um, game changing. The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast.
0: <laughs> Only because I was watching little bits of emissary recently is that he would see himself wearing that awful purple swimsuit and think, oh, God, I can't wear that. <laughs> oh, my god! Every time I see it, I'm like, whoa, I'm really glad I'm not wearing 24th century clothing.
1: <laughs> if you wanted me to murder an entire society, fine. <laughs> but I'm not wearing that bathing suit.
0: Too revealing. Oh. That's I right, draw the line. <laughs> that's funny.
1: And that's what else is happening on Trek.FM.
0: So check out all these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, you can get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can stream and download the MB3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you would like to get in touch with us here at Trek-FM, you can always find us on Trek-FM slash contact and look at the sidebar on the show page, or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trek and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at Trek-FM, Facebook at facebook.com slash Trek-FM and The Babel Conference. Type The Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at trekfm.com and click Discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's patreo ncom trekfm, you'll find our current goals, our different milestone contribution levels, along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credit, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find the details at patreon.com trekfm. Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our associate producers for Standard Orbit. They are Norman C. Lau, Nick Anastasio, Tim Robertson, Richard Marquez, Corey Elrod, Dan Rhodes, and Mike Richards. Your contributions, your help, your support, they mean the world to us, and we appreciate you being associate producers on Standard Orbit. As for me... You can find me on Twitter at MoronZach, that's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-S-E-H. I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Holdin' to Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of That Young Superman Show. You can find us on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S. I'm also the co-host of Franchise Fatigue, a podcast where we look at sequels, remakes, movie franchises, and when a franchise gets fatigued. You can find us on Twitter at UFP Earth, part of the United Federation of Podcasts. So thanks everyone for listening and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit.